Good evening, Lafayette. Welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. We're rounding out the week. It is Friday here on the Joe Cunningham Show and on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's been a long week. I'm glad we've all made it safely to the very end of it, only to turn around and get started going into the Christmas week next week. It is the most festive week of the year. I say that knowing full well that I'm from Natchitoches, where the most festive week of the year was the week leading up to the Christmas festival when schools let out early the day before and a bunch of traffic came in and ruined the city. But anyway, other than that, very festive in Natchitoches this time of year. I love my hometown. I'm going there for Christmas. I just like to tease it sometimes because there are some folks who are listening who are listening through the KPL app, uh, and I know that they hear me tease Natchitoches from time to time. Anyway, speaking of the app, you can use the app, the KPL News app, KPL 965 app, in your Google, uh, your Google uh, Play Store, your Apple App Store, wherever you get your apps, download the KPL app, and you can be part of the conversation on the show. Just uh, download it, hit the little text message-looking icon in the upper right corner of the app when you open it, and if you sign in, you register, you're able to send messages to uh, to the uh, to the show. Just make sure at the top it has a little bar. It should say. Uh, uh, the Joe Cunningham show up top. If not, tap that and you can change it to where you're sending a message to the show. Uh, now, what I need to what I need to go into today, there is a story that is not getting as much attention as I think it should. But we need to be aware of it. There have been 10 improvised explosive devices found at the U.S.-Mexico border in a cartel gunfight. So we not only have a lot of undocumented people coming across the border, as you know, it is prime real estate for the cartels to sneak people and drugs across. It looks like there are now territorial disputes between the cartels at the border. This uh, from foxbusiness.com. U.S. Customs and Border Protection is warning agents to be on the lookout for explosive devices. A federal law enforcement source shared with Fox Business Network an internal officer safety alert dated December 13th warned CBP agents to be vigilant after the Mexican military seized 10 improvised explosive devices at the border. The IEDs were found by, a Mexican, by Mexican authorities after Tucson Border Patrol observed gunshots at the U.S.-Mexico border and a Tucson supervisory Border Patrol agent arrested an armed person on the U.S. side who had a loaded AK-47 rifle, two loaded AK magazines, loose rounds, and a handgun. CBP is warning its agents to exercise extreme caution and should report any possible armed subjects approaching the border with possible explosive devices, according to the memo. Um, It appears that a cartel gunfight erupted over a gap in the border fence at a ranch that is typically used to smuggle drugs through. It's now a magnet for the cartel for human smuggling, and the gangs were fighting for control of that gap. In the border fence. So again, again, we have a situation at the border that would not be near as bad if act if the US government were actively working to secure the border. 
And the Biden administration has, for the large part, refused. I think, given these reports, this is probably why Democrats are all of a sudden a little more open to negotiating on border policies tied to Ukraine aid. It looks like Senate Democrats are about to reach an agreement with Senate Republicans on such a bill, although Mike Johnson has confirmed that he's not reconvening the House until January to deal with any aid packages. So we have to wait until at least January for any of these policies to make it through Congress. But when he came into office, Joe Biden's presidency was seen as a come on over invitation to folks south of the border. They, they, there are immigrants on camera admitting as much. There are illegal aliens on camera who are saying they are here for economic opportunity, but they are being classified as asylum seekers by the U.S. government. And economic opportunity is not a valid asylum claim under U.S. policy. So not only are are the uh, ports of entry open, and there's a ton of asylum fraud going on, but we still have the gaps in the border fence where people are in drugs or sneaking through. We now have IEDs and gunfights between cartels in trying to secure it. And oh yeah, known members of the terrorist watch list have been apprehended at the border. Chinese nationals have been apprehended at the border. People who are not Hispanic American have been apprehended at the border. Our federal agencies are warning that they are that we should expect some sort of activity, somebody trying to do something around the Christmas holidays, especially in Christian and Jewish communities, as a result of the conflict currently going on in the Middle East. And it all gets to happen because we have an open and porous border and a Biden administration that is doing nothing about it. And the Democrats are finally coming around because all of these headlines, all these news stories can come out about it. But at the end of the day, the Democratic Party is a party of identity politics. And who are some of the most upset people about the porous border? Typically, Democratic voting Hispanic Americans who are now deciding to vote more and more Republican because they are furious at Democratic policies regarding the border. The Democrats have absolutely, by playing the demographic game, by playing the identity politics game, they made themselves seem like the best friends to any and all demographic group. But in order to appease one group, they have to alienate another group. And in order to try to win as much of the Hispanic vote as possible and bringing people to the United States and just try to get them naturalized as fast as possible. What they've done is they've actually created a situation where people who were normally in their voting block are now furious and don't want to be part of that voting block anymore. And they're looking at the Republicans. 
it also helps the Democrats have been so sold on this anti-Christian kick that they've been on, this anti, largely anti-religious, but really anti-Christian, and to a lesser extent anti-Jewish kick, that the evangelical and the very Catholic demographic groups like Hispanic Americans are also turning away from the Democrats because of that. The more you play the identity politics game, the more you try to make one group happy and then try to make another group happy, and then you just keep trying to make groups happy and you end up ticking off one group, making them mad at another group, making them mad at you for trying to appease that other group, you end up hurting yourself in the long run. Democrats have for years decided that demography is destiny and they could just win the demographic game. They could win permanent political power, which doesn't exist in the type of government we have. But, but what they've instead done is they have tried so hard to appeal to Hispanic voters that they have actually created a situation where Hispanic voters are furious at them. They're hurting themselves in this. And I don't know that they can recover from it. They can cut a deal with Republicans on Ukraine aid to strengthen the border, but the damage is done. Thousands of people a day, thousands of people a day coming across the border, some through ports of entry, some through gaps in our border wall, A flood of fentanyl into this. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fentanyl aspect of it, but the, the flood of fentanyl into U.S. streets. Gang warfare at our border. IEDs found at the border. Foreign nationals not from the Hispanic states trying to come in. It creates all sorts of problems for the Democrats, and they have been so blind to it because they have been thinking they could just win the demographic game. They didn't understand the consequences of what they were doing. Let's go ahead and take a break. Your calls, your messages on the KPL app chat, that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or Use the KPEL app chat if you want to join in the conversation there as well. Got a couple comments coming in I'll get to in just a moment. But I do need to let you guys know it is your 5 o'clock news cruise. That means we are brought to you by Acadiana's number one Chevy dealer nine years in a row. You can get it all at Service Chevrolet Cadillac right around the corner from here, 1212 Ambassador Caffrey in Lafayette. Or visit them online, servicegm.com. New and used car sales, new inventory arriving all the time on the lot. Parts and service department, body shop, collision center, fine line custom auto. They have the wash right there. So much to help you meet your automotive needs. And they're offering special pricing for the men and women of our military, our first responders, educators in our community, all as thanks for their service and sacrifice to the country, to the community, to our kids. All you got to do, go over there and check them out, see what special pricing they can do for you. Over at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey at Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet here in Lafayette. Just to wrap up the comments and the discussion from the last segment, uh, Steve sends a message on the app. 
if the Republicans don't win this election, no, there's no way you're going to get Republicans to believe it was a fair election, not with all the absolute insane stuff that's been happening in our country. It's impossible to deny that Joe Biden has any chance in a fair election. Normally, I would agree with you, but the Republicans have a history of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And I cannot I cannot bring myself to be optimistic that the Republicans have a great shot. I think they do. All of the numbers seem to suggest that right now, Steve. But I, I, Republicans are excellent at losing what should be a winnable race. I will tell you, I'm still somewhat floored. Jeff Landry won. I thought that maybe the, Demo- the, the Republicans could figure out a way to lose that one, but there was just too much momentum for Jeff Landry, thank God. But Republicans have this ability to absolutely snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And there's no doubt in my mind they could do it again in 2024. You have Democrats who are openly worrying and fretting about Joe Biden's mental health. You have the issues at the border. You have the uh, economic situation right now. A Biden administration that has all of a sudden stopped using the word Bidenomics because they understand it's actually not working. It's, It's doing the opposite. The Biden administration is not trusted on foreign policy, domestic policy, the economy, inflation, immigration. Uh, you name the issue, the Biden administration's not getting high marks for it. And yet, Republicans have a two-seat majority in the House, wherein they started with five. They, Matt Gates lost a uh, or launched a civil war within his own party and and threw the House into chaos. Thank God we have Mike Johnson there now, but it's a struggle for Mike Johnson with a two-seat majority to figure out how to navigate a lot of this when his own caucus is fraying at the seams. I would like to think that the Republicans are fully capable of winning in 2024. But as I mentioned recently, you guys would like my father-in-law, his time and again, he, he said optimism's a mental disorder. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure he's wrong sometimes because I've been optimistic and I've been bitten almost every time when it comes to what the Republicans should be able to accomplish. There's a reason I'm not a registered Republican anymore because that party is absolutely taking my support and spit on it. I'll probably keep voting for Republicans, but I'm starting to my patience with them is starting to wear thin, too. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Or, like Steve, who I quoted in the last segment, you can use the KPL app chat and send a message to the show. Let your voice be heard. Be part of the conversation. So... John Fetterman confuses me. I'm starting to wonder if the most conservative person actually won the Pennsylvania Senate race after all. I, 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 there's not any reason for me to believe that John Fetterman, I, that, that, that Mehmet Oz was actually a conservative. He might have been running as a Republican, but there's not, a, there's not an ounce of me that believes he's a conservative. And it it still bewilders me and it bewildered a lot of conservatives out there uh, as to why Sean Hannity would work to convince Trump to 
to to endorse Mehmet Oz uh, rather than McCormick, who was also running in that race and is now running, I think, for the other Senate race uh, that will be coming up next year. But Fetterman came out today and said, I am not a progressive. And he is voicing support for stronger border policies. He has come out hard in favor of Israel. He has been trolling protesters to his office. Uh, Protesters to his office have been uh, shouting at him, making statements about him. And he has played it off. He's trolled them. He has put the, uh, the Israeli hostage posters on his wall. Just, it's very odd. It's very odd. One thing I've noticed, I can't remember who pointed this out, but now that they've pointed out, I cannot unsee it. John Fetterman, at his most progressive during the campaign, even after the stroke, was always when his wife was with him. His wife was running the show, was running the campaign, was getting him into office. Since he was sworn in, she hasn't really been seen all that much. He's been recovering from the stroke. But lately, he has been sounding a lot better. Like, just verbally, like, he he sounds like he's doing a lot better in recovering from the stroke. But he's also actually talking sense. Now, the Israel stuff is kind of understandable. Pennsylvania is home to one of the top three largest Jewish communities in the country. So that I get. But to be in Pennsylvania and to be calling for tougher immigration policy at the border, which Pennsylvania is nowhere near, I think that's fascinating. It's very pregnant. I don't think John Fetterman's a conservative, mind you. I kind of say the most conservative person won in Pennsylvania. I almost say it jokingly. But... I, he's not a far, far left progressive. There are folks behind the scenes in Pennsylvania who say, oh yeah, he's, he's pretty far left. Even before the stroke, he was really far left. I don't have any misconceptions that he's actually a, a liberal, but I don't think he's that super progressive type. And with folks like that, you can find common ground. I mean, hell, I've found common ground with progressives before, but that's just growing up in, in liberal or going to liberal arts schools. You kind of had to, uh, I mean, some of my, some of my closest friends from college are far more progressive than I'll ever be. And we just don't talk politics. Like that's the rule in our circle of friends. We don't talk politics, but there's, there seems to be a bit of common ground that conservatives can find with John Fetterman. Bernie Sanders, meanwhile, is drifting further and further back to the left. Actually, Bernie Sanders is, we know he's a socialist. We know he's an active socialist, but man, he's been outshone by the squad. You almost forget that Bernie Sanders is so far out there. When you hear what Rashida Tlaib and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and uh, Jamal Bowman and some of these others have to say constantly. But John Fetterman doesn't seem to be as far out there. Now, I'm, 
I don't see him ever caucusing with the Republicans, just like I don't see Kirsten Sinema doing that. Joe Manchin's not running for re-election. But it does provide a little bit of interesting maneuvering in the Senate. I mentioned, you know, the Senate, actually Democrats and Republicans in the Senate are coming to uh, some potential agreements on border policy to go with the Ukraine aid bill. Part of it, I think, is you have Kirsten Sinema, you have John Fetterman, uh, both espousing their belief that there needs to be a tougher border. Then if you look over at, at uh, the website I write for, uh, redstate.com, my colleague Becca Lower uh, just put this up. Arizona Democrat Governor Katie Hobbs pulls the trigger, orders National Guard to secure the border. So even a leftist like Katie Hobbs, understands that the border has to be secure. The governor informed the federal government that it owes Arizonans the $512,529,333 that federal border inaction has cost the state. She did not like whatever answer she got from the government because she has now posted an executive order placing National Guard troops on the U.S.-Mexico border, including at Lukeville, Arizona, according to reporting by Cameron Arcand of the Center Square in Arizona. So in Arizona, which has a Democrat governor, they have to address the border because the Biden administration cannot. John Fetterman is saying this is an issue. We need to address it. Kirsten Sinema, who's going to be fighting for her life for re-election this year or this coming year, she's voicing support for it. The Democrats are going to start coming around on this because they understand that immigration is a killer on the campaign trail for them. And if they don't do something about it, they are going to be in trouble. They know that. They know they're going to be in trouble. Now, on top of all this, on top of all this stuff that the Democrats are worried about, former President Bill Clinton privately criticized his wife Hillary's campaign in 2016, complaining to a friend that it could not sell. Let's, you know, that thing that Donald Trump said in the Access Hollywood tape? That. Couldn't sell that on a troop train. That's a Bill Clinton quote, according to a new book. The 42nd president's complaint was specifically aimed at the Hillary Clinton campaign's heavy use of identity politics, attempting to paint Senator Bernie Sanders' policies as sexist and racist in op-eds ghostwritten by advocacy groups as the former Secretary of State battled the socialist lawmaker for the Democratic presidential nomination. So Bill Clinton at least in 2016, thought that Hillary Clinton's campaign was garbage. There was another book at one point that alleged Bill Clinton was trying to advise the Clinton campaign, the Hillary Clinton campaign, to go to the Rust Belt and start working with working class voters. And the Clinton campaign decided to focus on the big cities to drought the youth vote. And as a result, the Clinton campaign in 2016 was unable 
I mean, the union households, I told you guys this before, union households in 2016, one of the underreported stories that union households split almost 50-50 between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. In most of the exit polling that the networks were taking, there was a fairly big split in union house households between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And because the Clinton campaign thought, we're just going to go to the big cities, we're going to try to bring out the youth vote, they thought that would be enough, and it was a horrible campaign tactic, and they lost because of it. For all of his faults, of which there are many, one thing Bill Clinton always did very well was connect with blue-collar workers. Um, oh, what was his name? Oh, I'm, I'm going to beat myself up over this. Ed Schultz. Ed Schultz, formerly, uh, he was on MSNBC for years. You know Ed Schultz. You remember Ed Schultz. Ed Schultz was one of those Clinton types, those Bill Clinton types. See, for the longest time, Democrats knew that the working class was their way in, but in the last decade or so, little more than the last decade, but really in the last decade, identity politics has overtaken that. Bill Clinton connected with blue-collar voters. Ed Schultz on MSNBC could connect with blue-collar voters. Chris Matthews, same way. Chris Matthews was an old blue-collar talking point guy. And that's what made them successful on MSNBC. The history of MSNBC's programming is actually a history of what's gone wrong with the Democrats and their electoral chances. The reason that they are having these problems with different demographic groups with the working class, as James Carville pointed out, they're, the Democrats focusing on the faculty lounge speak. MSNBC with Rachel Maddow, and she handpicked uh, Chris Hayes. She handpicked others. She brought others to MSNBC and got them into positions where they were the leading voices on MSNBC. And that pushes out guys like Ed Schultz. That pushes out guys like Chris Matthews. That pushes out, uh, to a lesser extent, uh, the... Uh, the lunatic, God, what's his name? The former sports guy. Anyway, you, you understand the point. The, the, they, they had guys on MSNBC who could connect with blue-collar workers, but Rachel Maddow essentially helped push them out to bring the Chris Hayes types, these intellectual types in, to MSNBC. And it changed the tone of the network. Now MSNBC is all academic and all these... Uh, higher academic left-wing talking points as opposed to just connecting with blue-collar workers. The Democrats overall reflect that. They've lost that connection. Bill Clinton understood. Ed Schultz understood. Chris Matthews understood. You have to connect with your basic average American. You can't be playing identity politics and play with these left-wing academic lofty ideas that just go over people's heads And barely work in theory, much less in practicality. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll wrap up the show in just a moment here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Yeah, so we're in drive time. You might be thinking, hey, what's for dinner? What am I going to do for supper? I got an idea. Why don't you check out Market East? They've got two locations, one in Lafayette, one in Broussard. Local, all original recipes cooked fresh when ordered. They've got a great bar serving craft cocktails, frozen drinks, espresso martinis, local brews, a reserve wine list, everything you could want from great service right here in Lafayette and in Broussard. That's Market Eats. And hey, by the way, you should know some family fun. Santa Claus will be there Friday, December 22nd from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Lafayette location. Saturday, December 23rd from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Broussard location. Also, got to tell you, you might want to go out and try their Sunday brunch with jazz music. So much to enjoy when you go to this great local eatery, Market Eats, located in Lafayette and Broussard. you got to check them out. You will not be disappointed. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 is the number, or use the KPL app chat to be part of the conversation. I just had something I wanted to share with y'all, and now I've lost it. Oh, that's depressing. Dang it, dang it, dang it. It was going to be... Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now I don't know if I want to share it. There is a story floating around Washington, D.C. Democratic Senator Ben Cardin, a staffer in his office, was making gay porn videos in a Senate hearing room. I know I don't I don't want to repeat it, but some of you some of you are probably blinking, shaking your head, and you are certain that you didn't hear me say what I just said. So I will repeat it. A Democratic staffer was filming himself making gay porn in a Senate hearing room in Washington, D.C., inside the Capitol building. Folks, we, um, we are a fallen society. And... We desperately, desperately need to restore some sanity. And I don't even think it's political. It's not a political thing. It's, it's just, it, it's insanity. We, we've lost our way. And I don't even know what, I don't even know how you decide that's a thing you could and should do. But that's just wrong. Please, folks, among other things, stop filming yourselves having sex in public places, especially in government buildings. On that happy note, you guys have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday here on the Joe Cunningham Show. It is almost Christmas. That's awesome. If you guys want to... Chat with me more. Follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email joe at redstate.com. 
You can find the podcast of the show on Substack momentarily. You can also check it out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you get it from one of those platforms, though, leave a rating and review. The algorithm likes it, helps the show grow, and that's what we really want. Have a great weekend. Talk to you again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.